Black History Month. Oh my God, Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month, what are you doing? So to celebrate, I am going to wreak havoc, claim some reparations. I expect no less of you. Thank you. And I also want to honor somebody very important. Today, I want to start off to give flowers to Miss Erica Garner. Miss Erica Garner, if you don't know who she is, she was the daughter of Eric Garner, who was unfairly killed by the New York City Police Department because he was allegedly selling cigarettes. So, of course, Mm -hmm. that's a crime that we should, you know, eliminate someone for. Selling cigarettes? Yes. Oh, come on. My dad had a store back in the day, and people always did that. Exactly. And so after her dad's death, she became an activist, and sadly, she passed away in 2017. She had um, heart complications. Um, she left behind two children, and I just want to, you know, give some time to her and to all the Black activists, you know, doing their damn thing and fighting for our liberation. Amazing. And like I saw on TikTok where one guy just walks up to random people on the street and he's like, who's your favorite Black person? Who's your favorite Black person? And some people, like, they were like a deer in headlights. I could not think of anyone Black. A lot of people said Obama or Beyonce, Rihanna, you know. Oh, geez. I always, I tell my white friends that never use me as your, I have a Black friend. Because if you do, I will show up and I will beat your ass. Wow. Yeah, I I don't think I do that. I hope I don't. I think Ahmed once caught me on it. He was like, just because you have a black friend. I was like, all right, right, never mind. Oh, props to him (laughs) for calling you out. I know. (laughs) I'm replacing you as the (laughs) co-host. I didn't even shut up, and I was like, "Look, I have others," and I was like, "Shadowful Lola, she's African, and Faria's also African." And yeah, that didn't. And then I shut up, and I was like, "I see what I'm doing here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are not your um, get out of jail free card. When no, I, say I, I don't think really stupid. No, no, I know you know that. That's yeah. the best part of our relationship is that I don't have to constantly correct you. Yeah. Same. I don't have to constantly correct you. You're like the wokest person I know. Me? Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm like the most problematic person in the world. <laughs> but no, well, you're like funny not, problematic. But not to marginalize communities. I am problematic no. if you are in power. I don't believe in you're punching pro- down. I believe in punching up. Ooh, I like that. You're problematic to the status quo. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking truth to power. Hell yeah. I have Dead Horse on repeat just because it's so good. I love the intro. Oh my God. Dead Horse is so honest and vulnerable. Oh my God. That intro is so iconic. Sorry, I was going through a depression. Me. I love it. Like, oh my, that was, I was playing this whole thing on repeat in the spring when it came out, spring and summer. Um, but yeah, so Teardrop, oh, it looks like Teardrop was not on the album, but she released it, I think, last Friday or maybe two Fridays ago. And then, I don't know if you remember this band, All Time Low, they sang Dear Maria, Count Me In. 
So I know the band, but I don't remember any of their songs. Oh, okay. Well, I got to play this one for you. Here's Dear Maria Kellyan. You're going to know this right off the bat. <coughs> I got your picture. I'm coming with you. Dear Maria Kellyan. There's a story at the bottom of this bottle and on the pen. playing at a hot topic oh my god (laughs) (laughs) making to it (laughs) anyway so that band came out with a new album they are back and it's called wake up sunshine and i saw it because i saw a tiktok of them and they were (laughs) they're like singing around to like punk emo music in their car and then they look at the camera and they say mom it wasn't just a phase (laughs) oh my god Emo never dies. True emo no, never dies. Never dies. I'm just so glad that a lot of the same bands that we grew up with are still coming out with music. You can be sad forever. That's why. Yeah. I and mean, the way like life is right now, there's so much to sing and complain about. That's true. We've got Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, both still active. Paramore still active, even though everyone has rumored that they're gonna split up because Haley Williams came out with a solo album. That's not the case. We've got Haley Williams. We've got, oh my gosh, the killers don't count as like scene or punk rock, but I love the killers. I feel like they're too mainstream. I feel like they're like officially like rock. Oh, okay. All right. Rock I mean, stars. I'm okay with that. And yeah, the 1975, which are more, how would you classify them? They're very like alt. Are they just British rock? Well, if they're British rock, then they're true rock, aren't they? That's true. So I guess oh well, one of them dated Taylor Swift, so they lose their music cred. They created the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know Taylor Swift can either be the kiss of death or the kiss of life because Harry Styles dated her, and now he's doing amazing things. He's probably going to end up in like the Hall of Fame, you know, next 20, 30 years. I don't really think so. He there's so many different people in my life and so many different like aspect who love 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 him and i like the one song what is it called adore you it's really good yeah then there's watermelon sugar high that's really good oh crap i didn't send you this okay there was a tiktok people like to mash up different songs and so there was a mashup of watermelon sugar high by harry styles and i write since not tragedy hell yes i love a good mashup Imagine as I'm pacing the pews in a church corridor And I can't help but to hear No, I can't help but to hear in exchanging of words What a beautiful wedding What a beautiful wedding She's a bridesmaid to the waiter What a shame What a shame the poor groom's bride is a watermelon No censoring out whore because we don't say that anymore in songs oh yeah absolutely not we do not slut shame women no a lot of bands were bad about it back in the day like we've got paramore saying it in misery business oh Um, my gosh yeah and then disco said it there i'm sure a bunch of other punk and emo bands said it but 
Yeah, I'm glad none of them have been canceled for it. Like they just learn from their mistakes and don't sing it, you know, live. I think the best way to avoid being canceled is if you one acknowledge what you did wrong, and then you know sincerely apologize for it, take responsibility, and mm-hmm. then say, okay, this is how in the future I will hold myself accountable. This is how I will change because I feel yeah. like some like celebrities like they either just kind of like try to ignore it. And you can't really ignore things in internet culture. Yeah, that's true. Or they diminish it. And then everyone's like, um, well, that's not up to you to do. Right. But I feel like a lot of people are apologizing just because they want to stay in the limelight or they want to keep their fame. Oh, true. So they just apologize and just apologize. Yeah. I love, 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 love that you said that. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. A lot of people just want to keep the wealth, keep the fame. That's true. Call it celebrity culture. You know, they're not doing it because they really give a shit. They're doing it because, you know, they don't want to be canceled. Yeah. And then they'll like give a teary apology and we're all supposed to believe them. Oh my gosh. I watch those and I laugh. (laughs) I love watching white people cry. I love it too. It gives me so much joy. What's new with you? Let's see. Oh, so it's so funny. Remember how we were talking about how, you know, I should move and all of that? Mm-hmm. Well, my friend Iris sprung this on me. She wants to move. And she and I were supposed to do like a road trip when it gets a little bit warmer. And she's been looking at places like in Oregon or Washington. Like at the beginning of pandemic, I think I told you this. I really wanted to move to Portland because I was watching a lot of Portlandia. Yeah. And I was like, these are the kind of like crunchy granola, vegan ass, <laughs> liberal voting. And these are the people that I can tolerate. Like they're going to say stupid things. There are going to be a lot of microaggressions, but I can talk it out with them. You know, I am not going to conservative Trump MAGA country. They will right. kill me instantly. Yeah. You know, so that's something I'm considering and thinking about. And mm, okay. I know. And I'm just very like undecided. Because yeah. I don't know how I want to move like with her just because she's moving with like her boyfriend and I don't like third wheeling it. Oh, yeah. But it's also, I feel like, I know you've said that, but I told my therapist I would also be third wheeling it with you too. No, can't I make friends here? We're so much multicultural. Like I was actually surprised moving to Toronto from Chicago, how diverse it was. Like Chicago, we know is diverse, right? But you might not see it because it's so segregated. Like if you are Very in your true. neighborhood, yeah, you're in your neighborhood, you see like growing up, I grew up in a Mexican area, like Southwest side of Chicago. So it was mm-hmm. like mostly Mexican, some Polish people here and there and just like Arabs sprinkled throughout. And that's really all I saw. And until like, you know, going to high school, being able to take the CTA downtown. And I was like, okay, there's a lot more white people than I thought. But even so, like, you can't explore all of Chicago in a day. Like, you're only you're going to go to a restaurant to one neighborhood and see that one neighborhood's demographic, and that's it. But Toronto is so different. Everyone's just everywhere, and it's so nice. Okay, I love, love, love that. Because for me, like, one of the things that I've noticed about myself is I've become a little bit of an introvert. Mm. Just because, you know, a mixture of, you know, hypochondria and also, like, being cautious of the fact that we are in a, you know, panini press. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Panorama. And I get the panorama. <laughs> and so I, I'm just like thinking like, you know, usually like I would go out to like bars or like bookshops and, you know, like network that way. I'm just trying to figure out like if I can find like a queer group or something before yeah. I like 
go to whatever city I go to. So I have a community because I talk to my therapist. And one of the things that I have to prioritize in wherever I move is making sure I have a community. Yeah, definitely. It takes a little time to form or to like be integrated into a community, but it's definitely like one of the, I don't know, like success metrics, I guess. Like if you would want to quantify KPIs for moving yourself to a city. But you are so good at, where's the spreadsheet, babe? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like that was one of my goals. I was like, okay, I need to find a Muslim community. I need to find like some sort of like young friends. Cause you know, you can go to the mosque and be friends with old women. Like that's fine, but they're not going to understand where I'm at in life. So God, I remember going to the mosque. I probably already told you this story, but I'm going to repeat it for our listeners. So (laughs) one day, uh, it was Friday. Friday is our holy day as Muslims. Ahmed was working and I was still unemployed waiting for my work permit. And so I got to go to all the Friday prayers. So I go to an in-person mosque and, you know, I'm praying. It's in downtown Toronto. And so I had gotten there early because they do a one o'clock and a two o'clock prayer. I got there a little bit early. So I was like, okay, I'll just like stick around for both. Like I'll pray the first one and just hang around for the second one or the other way around because you can't pray twice. So at the end of the first one, everyone's kind of mingling and making their way out. I calculated my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to find a girl. I'm going to ask her if she knows if there are any religion classes in this mosque. So I go up to like a friendly looking person. I was like, hey. Go you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey. She's like, hi. And like the whole time I'm just sitting waiting. Like I'm thinking about it. I was like, what if she says this? What if she says that? Oh my God. Like I'm not going to oh. I'm going to be so embarrassed. What if she doesn't speak English? Like I'm stupid. It's uh, anxiety for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to her. Thankfully, she's like a little bit younger than me. She's like, yeah. I was like, sit down. She's like, sit down. And then no. Uh, we're just chatting and I was like do you know I was looking at the bulletin board I was like do you know if there are any classes here she's like yeah I think there are there's like this whatsapp group I was like oh, okay could you please like add me to it or request someone to add me to it and she's like yeah she wasn't an admin so she had to like type my number into the thing be like someone please add her I never got added <laughs> oh wow okay yeah, rude. Weird. <laughs> uh, but she's like yeah I think there's classes but like they weren't posted on the thing and they weren't on the website and like I kept trying to find them and so I hope that this whatsapp group would like let me know what time everything is so that never happened so then okay her name's Sarah we're like oh great all right on our way she leaves okay. I sit around wait for the second prayer the lecture happened like sermon happens prayer happens and then I identify another <laughs> unknowing victim <laughs> and I literally sent out a snap I still have it it says and for my next act I will ask a girl where to buy hijabs from (laughs) Ooh, look at you putting yourself out there we love it so I went up and talked to a girl she looked pretty friendly she ends up being a PhD student in physiology at the University of Toronto doing research and she's just a year younger than me and she grew up in the middle east in uae and syria she's culturally syrian but she lived in jordan for a little bit and also uae yeah and so she did high school back there and then came over here for college so she's like not fobby like very western and so we go on a friend date and by the lake and we eat some beaver tails beaver tails are kind of like funnel cakes but canadian <laughs> I was actually thinking you were eating beaver, beaver from the dam tails, and I was like, please, no. I don't think they hunt that much here. Beaver tails are just like a fried sweet dough that's flat in the shape of a beaver's tail, like a like oh. kind of an oval. And then it's just you put toppings on it. So like you could get a Reese's one with like peanut butter and chocolate drizzled over it. 
we got a lemon meringue one which had like lemon curd and meringue piped on it that sounds so good it was delicious it was so so good i need to find it here in winter but yeah yeah. we do that and then the conversation just flows and it's great we've got so much in common and we were telling her how i got married and found my husband how we moved here all this stuff yeah it was a blast and then the second time we hung out she invited me to meet her friends her friend group and so I go and meet a whole bunch of girls and they're all like-minded. So it was good. It worked out. See, I love that about you. And listeners, I just want to, you know, say that is pretty much how I met Sarah when we were in high school. Like, <laughs> weren't we like walking down the stairs or something? Yeah. And then you started talking to me and we have been like best friends ever since. Yeah. Like you are so good at putting yourself out there. But I love that, like, we're getting into behind the scenes of the anxiety and like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to say? Because I feel like that's kind of one of my roadblocks when I want to make friends. I'm like, what if they think I'm such a weirdo? It's like, but yeah. what if they like that about you? What if they're a weirdo? Exactly. They're like, hell yeah. Yeah. I still remember the exact moment we started talking. We were in a class, some random class, maybe freshman academy. You remember how we did that? And Oh, yeah. We- we had to go down the stairs during class, I think, to go get our pictures taken for our ID. It was it must have been orientation, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had like six freaking floors at our stupid high school that had no gym. Yeah. 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 But we had, I think, a week or three days of orientation just for freshmen before school started. Yeah. And so you and I, like we were walking downstairs to go take our picture. And like up to this point, like everyone was kind of starting to find their friend groups. Like people were chatting with other people. And I was like, oh, man. I'm making small talk with a whole bunch of people, but I'm not really clicking with anyone. And Same, so, I have that. Yeah. And so me and you were walking down the stairs and I remember turning to him and being like, do you like Harry Potter? <laughs> and I was like, of course I love Harry Potter. They were talking about number seven because they had come out that summer, I think. Yeah. And we just started got to talking and then we were standing in line to get our pictures taken. And I remember looking around and being like, damn, everyone's making friends so fast. Like, I'm glad I met this girl. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have that same exact experience freshman year because I did not realize that like everyone was doing like a bunch of clubs or extracurriculars that summer before high school. So Mm -hmm. when I started talking to people, they were like, oh yeah, my friend from this club or this club. And I was like, what club? I just got here. Right. And I I remember I was talking to Megan. Remember her? She was like the volleyball girl. Yeah. But she already had like her own little volleyball crew. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am not athletic whatsoever. Right. And do not support these. Yeah. Oh my God. People. And, you know, you were just, you were got then. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, I don't know if this only happened in college, but I vaguely remember it happening in high school too, where like, you'd be like, oh, what'd you do over summer, blah, blah, blah. And the white kids were all like, oh, I went on your out trip. Oh, we had my dad's yacht. And oh, we did this and traveled, blah, blah. I was like, cool. Absolutely I in not. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was like, go see if you can take classes at the local, you know, high school or whatever. You're not getting stupid during summer. Nice. Oh my God. One of my favorite memories of my life was taking that pre-calc prep class with you and a few of our friends. Oh my gosh. That was so fun. We were like best friends with our teachers. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And it was like, what, two, three hours a day in the summer for like two weeks or something, right? Just to prepare you for calculus to make sure you're like ready because it's an AP class. And yeah. we, it was just summer. We only had two, three hours of school a day. We'd hang out. We were cackling at our table every day. 
because it was so hilarious we were having the blast so much fun I remember asking Anna for a copy of the jokes and she like posted it to Facebook or something <laughs> <laughs> they weren't as funny without the people but you know it still works we had so many inside jokes and so many random oh my yeah. gosh remember Mr. Remus and his juicy booty remember Mr. British dude <gasps> he looked like a Harry Potter in real life he actually did get his giant head and these tiny circle glasses. <laughs> oh my god, he was my geometry teacher. No, no, he was, I think he was my trick teacher. Yeah, Remus was my geometry teacher. I never had Remus, but I heard how funny he was through Tammy and you guys. He was truly amazing. He was the one who, <laughs> oh, you guys want to be engineer majors? Well, guess what? I'm an engineer major and I'm a teacher. We were like, well, okay, sir. <laughs> wow. Way to crush everyone's dreams. No, but it was great because he was like giving us, I feel like some adults would just like lie to you and say, oh yeah, you just go for it. But, he, you know, he was actually like open and honest with us. That's good. I think I he remember. did one of my like recommendations. Oh, go on. Oh, sorry. I remember my favorite teachers were Miss Kovacs, Mr. McHenry. Do you remember how much of a hoot that guy was? I will regret for the rest of my life not taking African-American lit with Mr. McHenry. Oh my God. I took... American lit with him and then African-American lit my senior year yeah because I didn't want to do AP Lang everyone's doing AP Lang I was like that's too hard AP Lang sucked I thought since I liked AP lit I would like AP Lang and I liked that it was the same teacher okay was she not just like the classic whatchamacallit English teacher who um I forgot her name but she was like frazzled you know I remember I know, yeah, I think so. She had like long brown hair and yeah. she was like kind of bohemian. And I remember yeah. she would come in sometimes she'll say, Oh, yeah, this assignment is due, you know, but I don't want to grade it. So you guys can turn it in like two days from now. And I was like, Perfect, yeah. I didn't do it. I remember she looked like the type of person who would hang out at Renaissance fairs. Yeah. Oh my and God, she like yes. definitely talked about it too. Yes, yeah. you perfectly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I remember her because I did detention once. I got a whole bunch of detentions in high school because stupid academic decathlon. Remember when you scanned in just a minute late, it counted as a tardy for the whole day, not just for zero period. Oh my gosh. I, I hated that. literally racked up 150 detentions freshman year. <laughs> oh my God. And so I had to work them off. So like throughout, I guess my four years, I was just constantly looking for opportunities to get to like, work off detention and so i went to detention with miss fritch one day and she was offering two or three credits for listening to her give a presentation and give feedback and so she had a presentation i want to say it had to do with muslim something because i remember Ooh. distinctly saying muslim and she was like you know the group doesn't like to be called muslim they like to be called muslim and oh. you know she did her whole presentation i was like wow i feel seen Okay, she came in with some actual knowledge. She knew what she was talking about. Yeah, and then I think a portion of it was like about deaf people uh, and hard of hearing people. And it was so woke. It was just great. I was like, oh my God, accessibility, yes. First, like high school was super liberal. It was compared to the rest of the high schools, yeah. I think it's just because we focus on knowledge. I feel like and that is totally like, you know, an insult to conservatives because they are super anti-intellect. But I feel like the more you learn about the world, the more liberal you become. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But our high school was known, I don't know why, it got this like reputation for being like super gay and super theatery. Because we had one of the best 
remember what was her name oh my gosh oh my god yeah that woman she made me Bennett, Miss Bennett. Miss Bennett. Oh my God. I was afraid of her. Everyone but was. also, I remember she encouraged me because that year we had history fair and I did my project. That's when I became a feminist. I did my mm-hmm. project on um, the women's rights movement in Chicago during the 1970s. Nice. And I learned about like Hull House and like what's her name, Jane Adams. And it was so great. You know, but it was very white feministy now that I look back on it. Yeah. Like, where were the black people? Where were yeah. the queer people? True. But yeah, she so she was a history teacher and a theater teacher, and she was so hard on the theater kids. She was even harder on the history kids. I remember like whenever someone like missed one, she was like, How dare you come into my class unprepared? Ooh. She was like, Oh my god, one of her favorite like anecdotes was do you basically it was just saying that just because you guys are young doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared for the real world. Like in the real world, it's not gonna cut you any slack. And I was like, oh. We are 14. Please leave us alone. Oh my god. Do you remember how like, I don't know, self-righteous we were being 14? Like we thought everything we were doing was so important and our opinions mattered so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had so many opinions when I was that age. Yeah, me too. And I remember even like I don't remember much of freshman year. I remember some things here and there, but like senior year, I really remember how life was. Like I was doing the damn thing. I took three AP classes. I got into Northwestern early decision. So everything was wrapped up by November. I was like president of three, maybe four clubs and doing extracurriculars. I was in the Arab American Action Network, which is like an activist office on the Southwest side. So doing that. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And then I led a dance troupe through that program. Oh my gosh. I remember, no, was it with you that I did a Bali, like a, what was it? A belly dancing class? Oh no, we did a step class, like a step dancing class freshman year for diversity fair. Oh my, of course we had a diversity. You taught um, step dancing? Yeah, I, so we do this thing that's kind of like the Greek step dance that you see at weddings and stuff. Arabs have a version of it, what's called dubke. And I was pretty good at it. Like I took an interest in it, like just attending engagement parties, weddings, bridal showers, whatever. Like that was always my favorite part of the night, the step dance. And I'd see women who were like really, really good at it, just like breaking it down on the dance floor and stuff and doing like really quick moves. And so freshman year, this diversity fair came along and Tammy got to thinking, she's like, oh, we should do something. Like gather a whole bunch of girls who are interested in doing it. I remember one of Tammy's classmates, Allison did it. She was Jamaican. And then we recruited some people outside of school because that was allowed. So we had Yasmeen, one of my longtime friends, longtime ex-friends, I should say. Uh, Yeah, more on that later. Yes, please. Uh, She's one of our listeners. In any case. This is a a total roast of Yasmeen. (laughs) Honey, oh, books, novels can be written. Onto better people. So her cousin was really good, and one of those women who was like really doing her still, like strutting her stuff on the dance floor at parties. And so we asked her to teach us, and so she like you know we choreographed a dance with her and everything, and we had practices after school or like on the weekends at her house and stuff. And she was like I think mid twenties, late twenties. And so yeah, we we performed at diversity club, and it was such. And adrenaline high, like, you know, when you're super nervous, then you do it and you're like, I want to have the world. Like I'm the best dancer in the school. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my I wish I could remember that because it sounds really fucking amazing. Well, it was after school. So not everyone attended, you know? 
oh gotcha I was one of those yeah. things yeah yeah I feel like I was just constantly at school like I never wanted to go home but we'll more on that later <laughs> more on that later yeah I know why <laughs> yeah you were and I was like oh my god it's so great that her parents let her stay and do stuff but I was like when did she do homework <laughs> I didn't no you didn't you were sitting at lunch like scrambling to get your classes at work finished I love the I love the adrenaline rush. I honestly just winged it. I think also I was just like, oh, I'm smart, you know, so I can just yeah. like do whatever. But also it was just like, I didn't have like a safe space at home. To, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. I always doubted that I was smart. Like I would get good grades, like literally straight A's. But I never rested on my laurels. I was always like, I'm a hard worker and that's why I'm smart. As opposed to like, remember the like middle income, upper income white kids who were just like, I'm so smart. I'm thinking of that guy in particular with the long hair. What the hell is his name? Okay, I'm thinking of like Charlie Catino, who oh, I'm pretty sure is a Republican now. Yeah, and I, I literally like- want to say to his face, management consulting is just professional bullshitting. I will say that at our class reunion. Please do. But <laughs> seriously, I he was in my A-push class. And I remember like I got this answer wrong and he like laughed so hard. And then well, what was the name of our the A-push teacher? He asked him a question and then he got it wrong. And I just, oh, nice. I was like, wow, okay. And I you bet know. you didn't laugh because you're polite. Exactly, I didn't. I was like, this kid is so fucking rude. Yeah. But yeah, just entitled white kids who just thought that they knew everything, even though they didn't. Yeah, I hate them. They were just raised with such an air of privilege. No, this one guy was like skinny dude, dressed emo, wore the vans, skateboarded, had like dirty blonde hair above his shoulders. And he had to constantly like flick it out of his hair. It was so fucking annoying. His, like the Justin Bieber thing going on. And I remember him just being so pretentious and like he was so smug when the top 10 came out because he, it was him, he was our valedictorian, him and the Spanish guy, Javier. Daniel Wharf. No, that's not Daniel Wharf, Daniel Wharf was shorter. I don't know. But anyway, so one time I visited U of I to like hang out with Serena, right? And I saw him in the student center. And he definitely recognized me because this was only our sophomore year. Like, it was only two years ago. But, like, I saw him. He saw me. I did not say hi. He did not say hi. I was like, <laughs> fuck you. You're at U of I. I'm a Northwestern bitch. Exactly. Yeah. I was so surprised that our valedictorians went to state schools. Weird. Didn't you? I think for just for, like, the tuition. But they were rich. They were both rich. Javier's dad was a teacher, but they had money because they were immigrants from Spain. And then this dude was like, I don't know, he always had like brand name stuff on, like the emo stuff, like Hot Topic brand name and like vans and cool skateboards and whatever. Oh, I hated Javier. He was a total colonialist. Like he was insane. And I remember like I said this one word from my language and then he kept on trying to like egg me on to say it over and over and again. And he would like say it wrong just so I would say it. And I was like, I know you're mocking me. You and Christopher Columbus can fuck off. Wow. No, yeah. I remember like thinking, okay, in high school, like your categories of the world are pretty simple. Like it was honestly, ignorance was bliss back then, but I had like categories of people. Okay, like Spanish speaking people were usually all Mexican because I hadn't met any Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans or anything. Okay, so like I've got the Mexicans, got the white people, got the Asians, got people like me who are like the others or Middle Eastern or whatever. And I got the Africans. Didn't know any people from Antarctica or Alaska or Hawaii, any of those regions. So that was it for me. I didn't know spicy white people like Spaniards or Russians or anything like that. So like when I met him and like he had an accent, I was like, okay, cool. Like he's Mexican. And then I slowly, (laughs) 
like he started speaking i was like okay cool mexican whatever and i didn't ask him where he was from but like i heard through the grapevine oh he's spanish like from spain i was like okay cool and then he had like colored eyes and i was like that's weird for a mexican i guess he's mexican and yeah and then from there he was just so arrogant every interaction he was I had so with him, arrogant every interaction i had from him was laced with sarcasm i'm like get the fuck out of here like if you're not gonna speak straight don't speak to me Exactly. I hate when people think that, you know, they're being clever or witty or whatever. But like, if I don't know you like that, then it just comes off as condescending. Exactly. Like, I'm not in on the joke. What are you doing here? Yep, pretty much. But I've noticed a lot of men particularly are like that. Yeah. Because they know everything. No, they. that's a, like a mechanism for them to play off not knowing everything. Just being oh, like, yeah. so flippant about knowledge, you know? Versus me, where it's like, if I don't know something, I want to ask. I want to know. Right. Oh my God, the best type of learning that I have ever experienced is learning from people and learning from their experiences. Whenever, yeah, whenever I go to like a networking thing or like in college, if I would go to like a student group event, like held event, and you know, I was kind of out of my depth, whatever, the best way to make conversation and learn things was just to ask people questions. Like people love talking about stuff, they love talking about their lives, they love explaining stuff that, you know, isn't in other people's wheelhouses. So I learned from this girl in the MSA. She was Muslim and Yemeni. And she told me that this tactic, she would just ask people a bunch of questions. Because I remember being like, oh my God, like it's always so great talking to her. But then she was like, yeah, I just ask people questions. And that's how I get conversations to go longer and stuff. Okay, we love her. We love her. (laughs) I feel like more people should be like that. It's okay not to know things. There's no possible way to just like wake up or even be born knowing every single thing. You know, you learn as you go through life. And if you ask questions, you learn even more. Exactly. And the goal is not to know everything. It's just to learn as you go. I feel like some people are just so afraid of coming off as like stupid. And for me, it's like, I don't care if you think that I'm stupid. I mean, I used to when I was younger because there was so much like competitiveness, like in our high school, especially in college. But now I'm just like, well, I don't know that. Teach me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like at this point of our lives, we're done with conventional education. We're moving into more like personal education. Yes. And it makes me like love school more. And honestly, like I miss being in an academic, I've talked with you about this. I miss being in an academic setting, you know, because now I feel like I see it through like better eyes because now I'm doing Mm -hmm. it, you know, because I want to and not because I feel obligated to. That's true. But let's talk about academia. It wasn't created for people of color. It's a it very really white wasn't. institution. I think because, like they say in history, whoever like wins any war, yeah. it gets to write down how history is. So like yeah, now more right and more. Books. Yes, there you go. I love you. <laughs> no, but yeah. Love so now we get to like look back and we see all the erasure in history and realize, yeah. oh, well, I was just like looking at this infographic earlier about all of like the black inventors and even with math and you know science like all of like the Arab people who were just completely you know written out of history like all these contributions weren't just you know white men yeah absolutely but even like I don't know I guess maybe I've been exposed to this a lot like so through my sorority land with it alpha we're focused on political activism and education like we're not a social sorority we don't hold parties and stuff and so on campus Just so much better yeah absolutely so, so like i and we're like historically latina but it's not exclusive which is why i was able to join 
And so a lot of our members and my sisters are like either education majors or went into higher ed and would do like PhDs and stuff. And so one of my be like best friends, sisters from the sorority, her name's Ariel Rogers, and she's doing a PhD at UCLA on higher ed, but like specifically the black experience. And so I don't know, like my whole time on campus, like there were students for justice in Palestine. There was it was called FMO. It was the Black Student Association, but it was called Four Members Only, and it was meant to mock like one of the white country clubs. Oh, uh, yeah, it was hardcore. So we I had love that. that. And then we had the MCSA from Muslims, and I founded and was president of the Arab Student Organization. So there was like a lot of ethnic programming going on on campus, and I just started like people. I thought it was just complaining in the beginning, but people were like, "No, like we have genuine, authentic." and different experiences on campus than white people do. This might be, you're the first generation to go to college in your family. Like a lot of Latinos that I went to college with were the first people to graduate college. And so like navigating that space and like being able to succeed in such a rigorous environment and toxic environment, to be honest, was hard. Exactly. Yeah. Can you imagine the imposter syndrome, the unnecessary imposter syndrome? Yeah, because they deserve to be there. They deserve to take up space. But you like, worked the, hard to get there. You exactly. worked harder than the other people didn't get there. But as soon as you get there, you're faced with racism, sexism, everyone telling you you're not good enough, and this extreme competitiveness from other students. Ugh. Not to mention the lack of resources growing up. Like some of these white kids had learned coding in their high school. They had AP computer science. They had, um, you know, fathers who were CEOs of small startups, mothers who were chief Seriously. financial officers. Now they Seriously. had, and then this is what got me. This was the kicker. I took ACTs all on my own, whatever we had college knowledge as a class, right? These people had their parents pay for ACT tutors for like a oh whole year God. for them to get a good grade on it. A good mark. I was, that is ridiculous. I was livid. I was like, wait, that, I think that was the first time where I was like, whoa. The playing field is not level. It really isn't. Because I remember like at Jones, especially like we had like weekend classes, but that was it. It was something that was just offered because, you know, they knew that we we're going to take the ACT classes. And if the teachers, I hope they were getting paid for that overtime, Hopefully. you know, but like my parents couldn't afford to like pay for some fancy tutor, oh. you know, to make sure I got like a good ACT or SAT score. Yeah, because paying for a tutor would take money away from literally your meals or exactly. you know, budget for clothes or you know rent money mortgage money it's oh god no it's why and this is going to sound completely cruel and I really don't care it's why when I see somebody who is poor and white I'm like I'm sorry but I just don't give a shit like you were born you know on first base I'm sorry you didn't do anything with that you know I'm really sorry you didn't do anything with that because there are people who had way more obstacles than you who've accomplished way more you just you know. squandered this opportunity that you had. Exactly. If I, if I had Harsh. those privileges, what I would do, what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> what would I not do? <laughs> what would I not do? That's <laughs> <laughs> the state of race and class in the United States. Like, it's harsh, but it's true. Yeah. So the other day I saw a TikTok, it was like, fashionable keychains. I was like, okay, what is this? And so one of them was just like a cute painted key, but then a knife came out of it. And the other one was Ooh. like a taser gun masked as a lipstick. Another one was like a different, like a pink gun, but you took off the top and it became a blade, like a switchblade. And so 
yeah so they're self-defense weapons and i was like okay i'm gonna like bookmark this for later so i added this to my favorites i like went back to the website and the girl was selling some and i think it was only like 20 or 30 bucks but i look and like they're not they don't ship to canada like it would cost 40 extra bucks to ship to canada i was like okay crap canada is ridiculously expensive to ship they too. are customs are crazy but so then i go, I go on amazon and I look for some like pepper spray. I used to carry pepper spray and a switchblade on campus all four years. So I would like double meals. Yeah, because walking back from the library to my dorm was a bit of a walk. And so, uh, you know, you always hear and they would email us of all the crimes that happened, all the robberies, all the whatever sexual assault that would happen. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And if it happens to you, they're like, well, why weren't you carrying your mace? Why didn't you have a knife? Why didn't oh, you have a gun? It's like, no, why did that person... Yeah not try to sexual assault me yeah there's a there's a long history of administrators telling females who get sexual assaulted to just take a quarter off for medical reasons and come back when you're ready yeah they don't provide them the resources or anything so anyway you know i always had a switchblade and mace in my purse whatever and then once i like left college it wasn't really necessary for me to hold but i always kept the pepper spray and then i accidentally took it to a concert and it got taken away by security and then I accidentally oh. I bought it again and then I accidentally took it to Six Flags and it got taken away by security so I was dumb like look like if it's a man I'd be like are you a father think about yeah, it are you honestly. a father I am somebody's daughter I'm trying to keep myself safe that's it <laughs> but also like at the Backstreet Boys concert they made me put my umbrella on a tree and then come back for it later so like whatever weird regulations but <laughs> oh, I was watching the I wanted that way video and I was like, oh my God, we don't have enough holes. We don't have enough holes. And I'm just going to leave it as that. Okay, I was talking to Ahmed and I was like, hey, there's pepper spray in my cart. Should I get it? And I was like, I know you're always like with me when we go places. And for our listeners who don't know, Ahmed is 6'3 and very well built, very muscular. So like he could, you know, defend me. Quite he looks well. like a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he can get rough. And so I was like, should I buy this pepper spray? And he's like, no. I was like, I know you're always going to be with me, but like, what if one day, like, I'm just alone going somewhere, whatever. Like, I'm going to need it. And then he's like, no. And I was like, what's the crime rate like in this area? He was like, Sada, come on, no. I was like, all right, this is just the way I was raised. Like, these are the conditions that I had to live through. He was like, all right. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what about Toronto? Like, when we go back there? And he's like, all right, when we go back there, that'll be a different conversation. But for Windsor, like, you're good. We're safe here. But it always happens in small towns. Yeah, like, but you know, I don't have to take public transportation anywhere, so I always have a car. My mother-in-law. Tr- okay, true. So I think I'm safer. I squeezed my eyebrows today. I was looking. I have not touched my eyebrows like in a year. Oh my god! And I, I feel like I look like Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> but I love going like weeks or months in between because then when oh, yeah. i do get them shaped up they look really nice because yeah, they're like so nice and thick. Yeah. yeah exactly because i feel yeah. like you know if you go regularly they get too thin i don't like them thin no i hate them thin and do you remember in high school when it was a trend for them to be thin so like if I, when i look back at old pictures like they're swaxed off and so thin because these Vietnamese women would just go ham on my eyebrow no seriously oh my gosh and then thick brows came into fashion like in 2010, no, 2011, 2012, beginning of college. And I was like, oh, big bushy brows are in. Like, I'll just grow them out. It's fine. And yeah. Yeah, I like them bushy, but like shaped. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because like, otherwise, like, I look like that angry baby. Exactly. You know, the angry baby from Simpson. 
Yeah. Yep. I know exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, and deal with body hair and everything. Oh, so my sister-in-law I used to get like free laser hair removal at her house because my mother-in-law owns the machine. And then so when her daughter got married and moved to you know to a different house in the same city. She like had a room in her house that's like set up as a spa and everything. So she does like facials with the special machines and like hair removal and cool sculpting and all that. So I used to get, since we moved here, I got laser like strictly every five weeks. And now she moved that machine to her garage because we're in lockdown and her husband's a barber. So he needs like a space oh. to like do at home cutting, hair cutting. Gotcha. So I can't get any more laser. I have to shave. Oh my God. I swear. Like one of these days, I'm just going to like everything just below the eyebrows, just get rid of all of it. Cause I am tired of all the nair and the shaving and the Ugh. waxing and the tweezing. You know, I didn't ask for body hair. I don't even want it. Literally. And I felt so shitty always having to pay for all these laser things in Chicago. I literally spent 1100 over two years. It's costly. Being a woman yeah. is so expensive. Yeah. And so when I married into laser hair royalty, I was like, ooh, this is free now. I don't have to feel bad about getting You're treatments. ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. And now <laughs> it's gone. Because like, okay, I always, you've heard of the pink tax, right? Oh, yeah. Hate it. For our listeners who don't know or aren't woke, the pink tax is when corporations will sell you an item and increase the price just because it's either pink or purple or marketed to women. So like women's razors cost more than men's razors, even though they're shittier quality and less blades. That's why I use men's razors. Yeah, no, me too. There's like, I saw a TikTok about, Dr. Dermatologist talking about this. There was a picture, literally Walgreens brand hair growth serum next to women's hair growth serum. One was blue, one was purple. The difference in price was $34.99 to $55.99. That is ridiculous. We did not realize there is a wage gap. So we make less. We don't have the money to begin with. We make less and spend more. And that's how they'll always keep women down. Yes. Oppression. Oppression And then having to pay for things like tampons, like anyone with a uterus. It's bleeding consistently. Yeah. You're paying so much money. I remember Italy came out with a new working law where working women got extra vacation days for their period. I think it was like that's how it should days. be. Yeah. Oh gosh, I remember having a female boss was a little bit better than having a male boss because, like, once I had a really, really bad period, like terrible cramps, nausea, like everything, and I just said, "Hey, I'm on my period. I have a really bad time. Can I just go home early?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, take the rest of the day off." But even then, I felt weird bringing it up because I was like, oh, even though she's a woman and I know we have this universal experience, like, I don't know if it's okay to bring up in the workplace. Exactly. And what if she's one of those women who's just like, well, just deal with it. HR is not for the employees. It's for the company. I learned no, the hard I way. literally just commented that on a TikTok video. I was like, HR is meant to protect the interests of the company, not the employee. Be careful what Absolutely. you tell them. Seriously, because I remember once I had mild altercation with coworker and she had several, and I mean several HR complaints. And I was like, why does this person still work here? Oh, because she makes the company a lot of money. That's why. Mm-hmm. Once her numbers drop, and even then. They kept her on? Yeah.
And someone told me like a few months ago, he was like, white people tend to fail upwards in corporate America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. They don't just fail and stop doing their job and like become poor. No, someone will no, promote no, them. No. Oh, no, no, no. I dated somebody who was so good at failing upward. I was like, every job you're making $100,000 more than you did the last job. And I don't understand. It's... But you keep getting fired. Ooh, I don't get it. Because they're white. Yeah. And then when you, once you get to a certain point in management and above, you just delegate everything. So you don't actually have to know anything. Exactly. Oh my! And who's going to check you? Yeah. I remember when this guy quit at our company in Chicago, he was VP of some marketing something. And then he quit. And I remember my VP asking him like, oh, so what's next? Where are you headed next? He's like, I'm going to keep that close to heart. Like he didn't want to tell anyone what his next company was. What? Uh, what his next job was yeah and then I remember he left and then this other lady I remember her name was Sarah she was also VP of something else she comes into my VP's office and she's like talking about the guy that just left and she's like yeah I always found it was a little bit weird that he didn't know this this and that and then my VP was like oh okay so literally this guy had failed up to that position realized he couldn't do it and then left are you serious yeah and I bet they learned nothing from that. You know, the next person they hire will be just as stupid. Oh, my God. As long as you just bullshit an interview, you can get a job. If you know how to, like, talk yourself up. Yeah. And you just know all the terms in your industry. I have much too much anxiety for that. Yeah. Be grateful that you're not in it. <laughs> She is awesome. She's a non-problematic white person, which is great. She's Romanian, like a few generations down. Or Roma. That's why. It's because she's Romanian. Yeah. And she loves Tesha and punk emo, and it's great. And she has colored hair, very bright pink magenta. Oh. Ooh, did I tell you what I'm going to dye my hair next? No. Blue-green. Oh! <gasps> Yeah. I'm going to miss the red, though. I'm not. I'm done. It's been too long. I've had this for almost a year. Oh, yeah. True, 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 true. For our listeners, I have rainbow color hair. Rainbow as in, like, fashion colors. I think that we are very interesting to listen to. And if you are a friend of mine and you do not listen to this podcast, in completion, <laughs> I put a hex on you. <laughs> She's a bruja. It's real. Yes, I'm a bruja. I went to my magic shop. I bought some more candles. Ooh. I know. I'm excited. What What new hexes have you learned? I haven't learned any new hexes. I just bought this candle for prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I bought another one for domination in love. Ooh. I love my the witch shop. Like, they have a cat that just sits there and just does its own thing. And then the guy just like smokes a cigarette indoors. I'm like, you do you, boo. No. <laughs> it's but, a dude? I always imagine these shops are owned by like booky women. Yeah, there's a woman too. But oh, usually okay. I interact with a dude. He's the one who usually like, rings me up. Like he has like a, let me see, how do I describe him? He has like a ponytail. He's like mid 40s. Yeah, but I haven't seen the tattoos. I have really, really bad face blindness. So unless oh. like I'm like attracted to you, I won't notice you. Wow. But yeah, he's really, yeah. I know that he's this really cool, good customer service, which like wraps my candles up really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I have to take you when you're back in Chicago. Am I allowed to enter? <laughs> yeah. 
Are you sure? I'm Muslim. Yeah, you're not Islamophobic. But like, well, I'm scared to go into those because, like, what if I touch something with bad juju and then it follows me? Hmm, I never thought about that. Because, like, in New Orleans, they have the voodoo shops, and I, me, and time and time, did not even enter it because I was like, I'm afraid to touch something. Oh, it's not even really like that. I've never really got that vibe from it. I feel like whenever every time I go there, my day gets better. Oh, that's good. And I have really bad luck. So really, I don't know. that's saying a lot. I feel like I have bad luck. Growing up, I felt like I had great luck because I would always win like the raffles at school and little things here and there. I was like, wow. Oh well, don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fun fair. I don't know if you guys had a fun fair, but let's so. The PTA, all of the <gasps> parents would set up and there would be games all around the gym. Oh my God, we had that, but we had it like outdoors. Oh. Yes, like at the playground. It was, oh my God, it was my favorite oh. days. And I remember one year, like we ran one of the booths, me and my friends and a teacher, of course, a teacher supervising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had like little basketball games. It was like toss the ring, toss the sandbags, a bunch of little things. And the prizes were always candy. So you went home with a giant bag of candy. It was awesome. Of course, oh, yeah. it depended on how many coins you could buy, though. So it was a little bit classist. Oh, yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. So like my mom would send us with like five dollars and that would be enough for us to, you know, play the whole time. And, you know, you could spend your money on like snacks and food if you just wanted to go to that counter or the games. My little sister was always good from just, you know, pulling a 50 out of my dad's wallet and him not noticing. And serves him right. I always worried so much that my parents, if they were spending money on me, then they wouldn't have enough money to pay taxes. I always thought that when they were talking to each other at night, when we went to sleep, they were worrying about taxes. You're such a good kid. Like, I wish my siblings and I thought about that. We were just like, more, more, more. Give us money. Where's my allowance? But like, I distinctly remember, okay, so we used to go to Wisconsin Dells for vacations. Like, that was the Chicago thing to do I sometimes. I love the Dells. Yeah, and so we'd go for like two or three days every summer when I was younger. And I remember we went, I was maybe seven or eight. We stopped, you know, we got off the highway, we were in the Dells, and we stopped at this place as a candy store. And so my dad stays in the front seat, and as we all go inside, so he stays in the car, and then, you know, everyone picks out one piece of candy. I got something that's similar to the lick it, dip it, and shake it baby bottle pops thing. Oh, I, I miss those. Yeah, delicious. But I got some, like a knockoff or something similar to it. It was a paintbrush. So you look at the paintbrush, you put it in, oh, it looks like paint now. And then you look at it again. And so it costs like... 250 or three dollars and like you know back in the early 2000s that was a big chunk of that money. Was a lot yeah and so because cheetos back then were 25 cents still those were the days you had a dollar oh and God. you could get a they raised the prices i was heartbroken but so i get that and then i go back to the car and i'm the first kid to be done so my mom and tammy and Sadam are still in the store and i go to the car and i'm with dad and he's looking at something in his wallet or a piece of paper or something. And I start to eat the thing. I unwrap the plastic and I'm starting to eat it. I take two licks and I was like, oh shit, this is too expensive. And I was like, Baba, can I return this? And he was like, <laughs> like no. He was like, oh no, it's okay. I was like, oh, okay. And then I felt so guilty eating the rest of it. Oh. I was like, this was not economically sound. Oh my gosh. So you were like a good child. I'd have been like, buy me something else. <laughs> then my mom would have smacked me. Oh my God. Even though like my parents never talked about us being poor, having a limited amount of money when I was younger. Like they made a good point of, you know, giving us a relatively comfortable life. Yeah. See, that's one thing that I definitely like appreciate my parents for doing. Like, even though we didn't have a lot, 
it didn't feel like we didn't have a lot. Exactly. So like, so like I couldn't complain. Yeah. That's awesome. Like all my needs were met. You know, I had toys. I had books. Like, yeah. I had everything like my little heart desired. That's good. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't even come home and complain like, oh, I don't have this notebook that everyone has. Like, do you remember Lisa Frank? I was obsessed with Lisa Frank. Me too. And I could never buy one because, you know, you have the Walmart folders that are 10 cents. And then Lisa Frank is out here being like 75 cents. No, Seriously. or even like 150. I was like, oof, Lisa. No, but yeah. And it was beautifully Oh my God. Stuff. I just remember this. So one of my sister's like friends, like gave her one of like the Lisa Frank, like plastic backpacks. And my little brother, he was like a toddler at the time. And he like, shit in his diaper and he put the diaper in the bag to hide it oh my it. god no we were pissed oh my god, I'm so mad we were so pissed I was like i was like is it illegal to punch a baby <laughs> how did he take his own diaper off i don't know like i think my dad was like taking a nap or something and my, my little brother could like get into so much trouble that kid like ran away so many times oh jeez. like once he walked to pick up me and my sister from school when he was like three or four he walked like it was like four blocks away and like my god my dad almost had a heart attack oh my god he was a sneaky little thing but it wasn't my dad's fault like he did his best like you know he like he was like trying to like you know watch the kid but he got tired because you know work nights work days the immigrant experience seriously thank you for listening i love you all dearly stay safe stick it to the man goodbye and fuck off and that is all for this episode of Sorry This Podcast Sucks. I've been your co-host. Stay safe out there. And I'll talk to you all next time. Fuck off. I will talk to you later. Bye. Love you. Love you. Bye.